Welcome to my channel. This is Inmedius Res. I'm Jake, your humble yet talented host. <laughs> um, so welcome to my channel um, where we're going to talk about all things media from film and TV to video games, anime, and pretty much any form of entertainment you can think of. Um, just to give you a little snippet about myself, I'm an actor, writer, filmmaker, um, sailor, now blogger slash podcast slash video blog host, I guess you want to call it. Um, I spent about, I don't know, eight years in Hollywood working. Um, my biggest claim to fame is I created a, an Emmy-nominated show called Broken. It was nominated for two um, creative Emmys. So that's what I did. Now I'm living on the East Coast, um, getting into sailing and... I don't know, just kind of different life. I guess take two on life. But um, I'm starting this because I wanted to kind of geek out with everyone and talk about kind of really like philosophy and the themes and all of the kind of really delve into the stories and all of that fun aspect of entertainment that I feel like I don't necessarily see a lot. So I'm going to do it myself. And... This first week, I'm going to talk about something that's kind of near and dear to me, um, and that is why does representation matter in media and entertainment? So firstly, I'll start by saying I want to delve into this topic because I am a gay man, and I felt like for the longest time I didn't have any representation that... I felt truly mirrored who I was as an individual. Um, you know, I felt alone in the world. Um, I grew up in the South and I didn't see myself reflected in the world around me um, as much at the time, but I also didn't see it represented in media. So um, that's the reason I wanted to tackle this. And I know that there's a lot of people who think the same thing, um, that representation matters and that it's very important. And first of all, I'll start by saying one reason I think it does, and that is art imitates life and life imitates art. There's a lot of reasons we create art. It's for entertainment, educational purposes, um, history, but also it's can be a way that we can build bridges and connect to other people and really get an understanding of what it's like to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. Um, and this has been true all throughout history, going back as far as like cave paintings um, and then hieroglyphics and novels and art throughout history. It's kind of a way for us to see almost kind of like a freeze frame moment of what it was like to live during those times, to understand what the people were like, um, to get a better grasp of history. Like a lot of history we've learned because of things like art, of books, of music, of plays, of so many different types of art. And that's the way we've learned about so many things. And still today, art is used to do the same thing. You know, we have movies that tell stories about individuals. Um, you know, music is something that kind of delves more into side, like the emotional side of how people are feel feeling and, sh you know, sharing that experience with the world. 
Um, you know, then you have books that tell like very long specific stories and, and that's why art is important. And, and, um, and so when you lack representation in art, you lose a part of the story. You lose a part of that history. And also it makes it harder to step outside of your own worldview because at any given moment, you're only seeing the world through your own eyes, your own experiences. And apart from like talking to the people around you, it's hard to really gain a secondary experience and understanding of the world. Unless you look at art, you look at paintings and books and movies and TVs and music, and that's a way for you really to see what it's like to be somebody else, to understand somebody else's experience, to understand how they see the world. And it's part of the reason that people tell you, write what you know. Because what you're doing is you're sharing your experience, your way of viewing the world. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're writing like an autobiography or a memoir saying like, hey, this is the life I live. This is what I did. But it's taking your experience and putting it into something. Um, you know, like taking your experience, say like, with Tolkien, his experience in World War One, and with this kind of bond he made with people and turning that into the Fellowship of the Ring. And, you know, it's taking these moments and putting them into something. Um, and that's why, kind of on a broad strokes, why representation can be important. And, you know, over the last few years, there's been a lot of talks and conversations about how this increase in representation and diversity is just being shoehorned. It's just a social justice warrior thing. It's a woke agenda. It's propaganda. It's all of this kind of buzzwords to you know say why it's a bad thing and how these stories don't necessarily represent the world that these people see. But that's exactly why they're important is because they represent a world that you don't see. Because if you live in a predominantly white suburban neighborhood or a rural neighborhood or even a predominantly white city, why would you necessarily know what it's like to see the life of a black person in an inner city or know what it's like to be a Muslim individual facing, you know, religious discrimination or a gay person, you know, in the South? Like, you wouldn't know these things because that's not your experience. So of course it's not going to be the world you see because it's not your life. But that's exactly why you should see it because it shows you another aspect of life that you would never have seen otherwise apart from this movie or TV show or book or music. That's why it's partially so important. Um secondly, something I've also noticed kind of in the same vein of people saying that is they also seem to digest stories easier when it's in like a fantasy or a fictional setting so let's say we have a story about a black person in the inner city trying to kind of fight police brutality and systemic racism and kind of make it out you know people will cry oh it's political oh it's you know it's racist it's this it's that but then you watch um something like the hunger games where you have a story about a girl living in a predominantly poor area with um, the peacekeepers, quote-unquote police, um, being oppressive and abusive and brutal, um, fighting a tyrannical, oppressive government. And people are like, oh, that's fine. That's cool. Yay, Katniss. 
um, completely ignoring the fact that this very similar themes that you have kind of just these real life moments that people want to ignore. Um, and it's kind of those moments when representation is important because it's the story. And a lot of times people don't recognize that similar themes, similar stories, just one is set during a very heightened world. The other one is reality, but I digress on that one. Um, but let's talk like facts and figures because I think it's important to not just have like anecdotal information. Um, so this is a study from UCLA. Um, I think it came out last year. Yeah, 2021. So I guess two years at this point. And it was about representation in Hollywood. Um, so using the census, it was 53% minority was the population in the US, 47% white. Um, that has changed since the 1960s. Um, it's kind of flipped where it used to be white. And, um, you know, quote unquote, minorities were the, well, minority. Now they're the majority. Um, so looking at what type of movies are predominant, um, streaming was 54%. Um, theatrical was 16%. The rest of them all kind of fall in a smaller things and oh my god i can't believe we've actually moved into a world where most movies are out on streaming but i guess it was you know kind of really smack dab in the middle of COVID that this was done so it's not surprising that mostly stuff was coming out in streaming but so starting with the first number the lead actor by race this is the st statistics in films specifically theatrical and streaming in 2020, 60.3% were white, 39.7% were of a minority, which comes out to about four out of 10 lead actors in film are people of color. But if we go back to that original number, we know that uh, people of color represent more of the population than white people. So, yeah. In regards to gender, um, uh, women represented 47.8 of the leads, men were 50.5, closer and substantially better than just literally 10 years ago where it was 74% men, 25% women. So like you are making very large gains, but still, you know, women represent 51% of the population, so you'd think they would be 51% of the leads. In regards to budget, um, minorities um, received 39% of um, less than $10 million. So I'll give you broad strokes on this one. So minorities received more of the smaller budget. So the less than 10 or less than 20 million, um, the mid range, so from 20 to like 100, white people received they so which is probably the majority of movies um so the kind of the 20 to 100 i know i call that mid-range it's not really mid-range since a lot of movies are actually less than 20 but um so the majority of people white people received the kind of the larger chunks but in regards to over 100 million dollar budgets minorities received 6.8 percent white people received 4.9 so i guess for the uber rich films <laughs> the minority um kind of took that one took the cake on that one um kind of the same thing with um women and uh men so women got most of the lower budgets men 
get the higher budgets um, for leads. Um, film count leads. So uh, this figure is a breakdown of film leads by specific racial group. Shows that black people were about 13%. So represent about 13% of the population. They got 19% of the leads. White people were 60.3. We kind of went through the broad strokes number of that before. So diversity has increased um, overall drastically. Um, men still represent uh, predominantly the majority of directors as well as white directors. Um, I'm trying to see if it where there's a if it talks about kind of the LGBTQ plus community at all. Um, okay, like it's kind of disheartening when you scroll through this because the trend doesn't really change much um, from one category to the next. It's men, seventy percent. You know, everyone else thirty, and it's kind of disappointing when you see that. It's really disappointing when you see that because it's like sure things are changing but they're a little slow on the changing um at the beginning i said that this was kind of an important topic for me and i kind of want to get into kind of the more personal level of it um and that's the concept of the hero um sometimes for a lot of people we are alone or we think we're alone um so we look to art to make us feel less alone. Uh, personally for me, I am gay. I grew up in the South. Um, and I wasn't the only gay kid in my high school, but like there were few and far between. We were like, I was a freshman. He was a senior. Like it was very, very minimal amount of people. And at the time in entertainment, there wasn't really anything. There was like Willow and Buffy, I think. Um, I guess Ellen had technically come out already, um, but there was no like RuPaul's Drag Race. There, like, there wasn't, there wasn't the same kind of level of representation we had. And you know, I was. This was like before the internet really kind of blew up in the social media world. And um, I mean, MySpace was a thing, but that was about it. And so I felt very much alone. Um, I didn't know anything about gay culture or anything like that. And so this was just as Netflix was becoming like a thing, like Blockbuster was still in its prime. Um, Netflix was all about DVDs still, and they were just contemplating um, dipping their toes in the water of streaming. And so I was living with my uh, sister at the time, and I was out to them. Um, and we had a Netflix account, and I had my own like queue that I would get my own DVDs. And so... As soon as that happened, like I scoured the, you know, the Netflix database for literally like every queer film I could find. And I just started adding it like crazy. Um, and I started consuming them and like at such an obscene pace, like I'd get a DVD and then I'd finish it. And then I'd like send it back and get the next one the next day. And like, I was like obsessed. I was like addicted. I'm like, this is the first time that I was like, oh my God, like there are other gay people in the world. And they're like a lot like it's you know like it was a whole thing and I after watching it I started to kind of get like depressed um because all I kept seeing were movies like 
Brokeback Mountain and Prayers for Bobby and Home at the End of the World. And like, these aren't obviously, they weren't all, those weren't specifically the movies that were, I was watching at the time, but this type of movies, there were tragedies. Um, and I was like, is this what my life is going to look like? Like I was obviously I was a teenager. I was uneducated. I didn't know anything about the gay culture or the gay world. Um, my knowledge of AIDS was very limited. I did not have, they did not teach sex ed in school, um, and I didn't get it from, from my mother. Like that was not something that happened. And so, I, I didn't know what my life was going to look like. I was terrified. I was like, am I going to die of AIDS? Like, am I going to? die at the hands of a gay bashing is like, is this what my life is going to be? Am I never going to be happy? And, and I even got to the point where my other sister, you know, would see the movie and she, you know, she even started to think that like, this was like, is this it? Like, is this just another like gay tragic movie? Like why, why continue to torture yourself with this? And, but I continued, like I continued consuming them. It was like a drug because I was like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know where else to look. I didn't know where else to find this information. I'm a teenager in the South. Like, I couldn't go to a gay club. I couldn't go to a gay bar. I didn't know what a freaking drag queen was. And I mean, there was like the occasional movie, like Trick and Latter Days. But these were like, those were like very specific movies that I'm like, okay, this doesn't apply to me. Like, this is something that's so outside the realm of any life that I would live or see. Um, and then I came across the American version of Queer as Folk. Um... Quite frankly, I'll admit I have not watched it in years, um, so I can't tell you if it holds up. Um, kind of scared to check, actually. But that was the that was the moment that made me feel alive as a gay person, because that was the first time I saw not only fun, but it was like a group of gay people. It was just like this kind of spectrum of gay people. You had like. Michael was the nerd and Brian was this like sexy cool slut and then you had Emmett who was this like super like living out loud and Ted was this like kind of stuffy businessman and then like you know like and then Justin was this like you know super horny like teenager which obviously I related to that um and I was like oh my god like life can be good life can be fun and that's not to say that like there is not tragedy in that show obviously you know we all know how the final season, you know, kind of plays out and we know how season one ends and there's definitely tragedy. It, you know, it's it's not they don't avoid it, but they don't they show you the good parts. They show you the bad parts. They show you the peaks and the valleys and the plateaus and everything. And that's when I realized for the first time, like, OK, my life's not going to be tragic. There's a chance it will be, but it's there's, there's no guarantee there was a group of people that looked like me that felt like me and that's the first time I felt seen as a gay individual and it changed my whole perspective on who I was as a gay person and that's not to say that it didn't take me years to like not be ashamed in this that and the other but like that was the first time that I was like okay like I can live a life and I can be happy but I would have never known that if I had never come across that I mean, I was going through my own stuff. I was suicidal, um, not necessarily because of that per se, um, but it was just another thing. It was, a, you know, it was another thing to add to the baggage, to add to the weight, to bring me down. 
And so that was like one thing that was like one weight lifted off me that like, I don't have to worry about that. That's not necessarily what my life's going to look like. And I know for a fact that I've heard the same thing with black, you know, black kids and seeing Black Panther or women seeing Captain Marvel, you know, they're like, this is the first time they're like, okay, I can be a hero. I can be a king. I can be a god. Like I can be strong and powerful and no one's going to take that from me. And it made me feel less alone in the world. And at the end of the day, isn't that what art's supposed to be? To help you feel seen, to help you feel connected, to help tell your story, to help understand something outside the world of what you currently see. I didn't see what a gay person could be in the world. Why would I? I didn't know anybody else around me. I didn't have that. But queer as folk did. It showed me what it could be. It was an experience that I had never seen before. But now I could take that into my experience and seek it out. Look for it. Um, I mean, like, I didn't, I wasn't 17 having sex with a 30 year old man. So, like, I didn't seek that out. But I sought out a life where I could live openly and free and have fun and embrace being gay without feeling shame. And I would have never done that without queer as folk. And I imagine there are plenty of other people that are black or Muslim or, you know, whatever that probably felt the same way when they saw something that they felt reflected in. So moving forward, if you're one of those people who felt like something was being shoved in your face or like it was being shoved on your throat or some kind of political agenda, like maybe like take a step back and instead of like looking at it that way, say like, hey, this is my chance to see a different point of view. That doesn't mean you have to agree with that point of view. It doesn't mean you have to even like say like, hey, I'm going to take on this point of view. But at least give it a chance, take a moment and like look at it and say like, hey, maybe this is something that I can kind of take into myself and add to my kind of library of knowledge. Because I think that that matters. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, like, that's all you can do is you can try and you can try to learn and you can try to listen and try to understand instead of just writing it off as some kind of woke agenda or social justice warrior or you know propaganda like that's not to say propaganda does exist like that's something to keep an eye out for but you know in a lot of these cases it's just people telling their own stories and they just want to be seen and they want to be heard so maybe take the chance to actually listen to them because if we can't do that with art what can we do because for a lot of us it's the only way to connect to the larger world so that is why i think representation matters um and I would like to hear people's thoughts because I know this is a very divisive topic. So, you know, if you have thoughts about it, um, comment down below, um, you know, leave a message, whatever. Obviously, don't attack people. Don't insult people. Just listen and take a moment to hear what other people have to say and, you know, understand that your experiences are not universal. And that's why art can be so powerful is because it can show us a different perspective. So thank you all for watching. Um, don't forget to subscribe. Tell your friends. I don't know. Post it on your TikTok. You know, do a little dance about it. I don't know. Stitch me in one of your videos. Um, I'm cute. I'm cool. I've got a dangly earring. Uh, so. And I'll see you all next week. Bye.